Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, their bathrooms, man. It's it's four. <laughs> so it's four separate, you know, single bathrooms. They were furnished to the max. Like they were furnished better than the room me and Cam are in right now, which is my office, uh, which has a desk and a TV, and then like a bunch of my other shit. They had like carpets in there. They had paintings on the walls. Like they had like bathroom? super what? cool like wallpaper. <laughs> no, there was just like an area rug that you stand on while you take okay, a leak. Right. Like R- it was, it was rugs, a very luxurious rugs and carpets feet. are notably different. Yeah. Um, also, both notably not great for bathrooms. Yeah, but you know what? It was good. It was it was a beautiful experience. I stood in there. I took a Snapchat story after I, I had relieved myself. Welcome to Brews and Bruins Season 3, Episode 11. Uh, all the things that you normally hear. Um, we're going to start off by talking about... Um, well, first of all, trigger warning, content warning for sexual assault, because we're going to talk about the, the Kyle Beach uh, cover-up. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into it, I think, because you know this is pretty late in the cycle and I think everybody's thoughts have kind of been made on this, but we recorded uh, both of our episodes for last week on Monday of last week. And after that, all of the, the details of the extent of the cover up came out and um, you know, a lot of, I think we all have a lot of thoughts on, on those and kind of the totality of what it means for hockey culture and what, kind of pushback there was kind of a lot of really disappointing comments from um, people throughout the league um, and a lot of disappointing inaction from the NHL Um, and, and Gary Bettman uh, kind of at the forefront of that Gary Bettman also uh, spoke about it a little bit today and I had some pretty uh, you know, the disappointment I have uh, with what he said was kind of what I was expecting um, he kind of, he made some comments about how, uh, you know, the $2 million that the Blackhawks were fined was, you know, a totally different situation than the, the New Jersey Devils and the, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk situation. And like, obviously yes, but wouldn't that indicate that maybe it should be worth more money? And, uh, somebody asked why, 
uh, the NHL doesn't have a sexual assault policy. And he said, we do, we uh, don't allow it and we punish it requisitely. Um, and I think that was kind of proven to be uh, false with, with all of this. Um, so yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know who wants to lead it off, but uh, if either one of you guys wants to jump in uh, with some thoughts. For me, this kind of boils down to, it's oversimplifying it for sure, but something that I think applies to a lot of sort of things I learned in middle school um, was it was in terms of bullying, but basically if you're a witness and you don't do anything, you're complicit, you're uh, contributing in a way by not stepping in, whether that's you witness it or you know about it and you're just not seeking justice for it or stepping in yourself, then you're, you share the blame as well. Um, and I think that accurately depicts just my thoughts of the Blackhawks organization, or at least, you know, those in position at that time um, and, and the players there too, you know, we heard from Kane and Taves as well, um, who I believe were the only active Blackhawks players anyway on the team at that time. I might be wrong, um, but yeah, just it, it's completely mind boggling that winning a championship or just hockey in general, a sport would be put ahead of something as serious as this, something like sexual assault or honestly anything really. Um, you know, th there's a lot that has come to light as well, just in terms of mental health and all that. Um, and just, you know, there's instances of that being put before hockey. Um, and I don't really see how, this wasn't and the fact that it's been so long too it's been 10 years um uh actually more now um and it's, it's just mind-boggling how nobody stepped in nobody did anything about it um for for that long and it came to this point that we are now um where something's finally being done about it because, I mean, this report was out there when in the, in the summer or even towards the end of last season. And still, I know Quenville at that point had denied hearing anything about it until then. Um, you know, th these people were still trying to cover it up as it was coming to the surface, too, which, which tells me, you know, it's not just they didn't know they were doing something wrong. They didn't know um you know, they were purposely covering it up even throughout the summer. Uh, it, it's just mind boggling in, in hockey culture. You know, we've talked about it before um, and, and it's talked about a lot, at least in our circle on Twitter um, and the media members also uh, that that I follow and uh, converse with. It, it's just it's just absolutely mind boggling that here's yet another way that hockey culture you know they they say hockey is for everyone but clearly it's not um clearly the the sport the game is way ahead than anything else that i think anyone would consider more important it kind of boils down to a bigger issue that i think does expand outside of hockey and a lot of big companies organizations leagues like this um just aren't you know obviously allowing this to, sort of thing to happen is just a, a huge stain on that organization. And it's embarrassing, obviously, for anyone involved in it. And uh, 
you know, obviously I think the league tried to sweep it under the under the rug because that's that's the type of damage control that, like Chris said, as as fucked up as it is, that's just what we've come to expect from from the NHL and from leagues like this and, and getting large organizations that just don't address it until people make it public and force it into the eye. And then obviously the league can't avoid it when people are tweeting about it. And you have Kyle Beach going on sports center talking about this. So um, I think that's obviously why the league tried to cover it up so long. They wouldn't want people to talk about this and have this be the focus for the league. And it's, uh, it's sad that it has to come to something that's this dramatic and probably traumatic for somebody like Kyle Beach to come forward like that. And, label you know his his face as the person that had to deal with this for the last decade and um credit to him for doing it i mean that's i can't imagine having to be in that position and and doing that sort of thing that takes an incredible amount of courage and um hopefully the league will be better for it down the down the road but it also at this point is becoming hard to believe that that's actually a situation that's possible i mean we we sat here and talked about you know, different issues, but similar responses from the league last summer and, and last year about how, you know, the, the performative actions are nothing but performative actions unless you're backing it up. And I mean, the question about the sexual assault policy is especially was revealing that, you know, the league doesn't, not, how the hell does the league not have a pre-established policy for this sort of thing? And, and the fact that Bettman's going to come answer that by, claiming that he, you know, laid down justice when it's a slap on the wrist for an organization that committed something awful for this long is just embarrassing for a fan or, or somebody who wants to be a part of the league. And again, it's just such a stain. It's, it's awful. It, hockey is a sport that all of us love and it's done great things for all of us to connect each other and things like that. And you try to focus on the positives and stuff, but it's, it's impossible not to, view it all as one thing here and it's just disappointing to see the league miss so badly once again and yeah you want to see better from them but at some point i like i said before we started recording you kind of you kind of get burned out a little bit which sucks because hockey has been like the one constant love like drew and i were talking about at the bar earlier hockey was our first love you know what i mean and that's more than just the nhl of course but obviously living here in the united states and having the best players in the world playing here that's a league that you want to support and it's just becoming hard to it sometimes uh, with all the extra bullshit and baggage that comes along with it and just the lack of the NHL's response to do something meaningful about it. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy people are talking about this and it's a, hopefully something positive will come from it again, but it shouldn't take something this awful to create some kind of positive change in, in the sport and in the league specifically. Yeah. So, uh, to, to your point, Cam, I'm, one of the other things Gary Bettman addressed was uh, the Akeem Alou, uh situation where he uh, – uh, Bill Peters was under investigation for making racist comments, and there, there was a more sprawling investigation into other uh, instances of racism against Akeem Alou. And uh, Gary Bettman said that uh, the investigation has been complete and they've reached out to Akeem Alou's uh, camp and the next steps are being put in place. And then Akeem Alou's representation tweeted out that that's news to them because they haven't been uh, contacted at all. Um, and a lot of the witnesses that uh, their camp provided for these investigations hadn't been contacted at all either. 
Um, so I don't know what the NHL loves more than, you know, saying what they think is the right thing and then not doing anything. But uh, it's it's a pretty big slap in the face when it's something that's pretty easily verifiable like that. Um where or like any of this really you know what i mean like a, not to cut you off here chris but the the other thing that i meant to mention is the kyle beach situation it's everybody outside the organization says yeah i knew it was going on everybody knew it was going on and everybody inside of it says the opposite and that's not a hard process to think through about who's probably right about that and again the league just not doing anything about it when the the evidence is so overwhelmingly obvious is just I mean, disappointing is not a strong enough word for it. Yeah, I I really liked what Taylor Hall said about the situation and how it's it's acknowledging. I mean, from it's such a low bar to clear, but from to have a an NHL player come out and say that this is an old boys club and it needs to change uh, is kind of a big deal, and it kind of sucks. That's a big deal, but I mean, when you contrast that with the things that Jonathan Taves said about man scotty bowman like yeah he did something wrong in this situation but he was still a really great guy to me and like that's not the scotty bowman that i knew uh and like that's just so frustrating because you don't get to take away somebody else's experience just because you've had a different experience with that person and um so for for somebody like taylor hall to come out and say something like that is uh it's it's good to hear but uh, basically all the comments coming out of like, like you said, all the comments coming out of the Blackhawks camp is just business as usual. Like part of being one of the, uh, one of the boys um, just having, having your guys back, no matter what, even if it's defending monsters just to be part of the club. Yeah. That mentality of like having each other's back, like drawing the same comparison between playing hockey on the ice and something that's obviously so much larger than that is just such a gross like connection to make. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, have somebody's have your guys back if he gets boarded in the corner during a hockey game. But you know what I mean? And, and on the flip side of this, of course, is the obvious like contradiction of like Kyle Beach was also your fucking teammate. So have his back. And I think that was kind of the, the other thing that we haven't touched on yet is but the NHL Players Association and the lack of response there, despite, again, being made aware of this. And, again, if the Players Association isn't standing up for the player in this situation, then what fucking good is it? And I know from what I've seen on Twitter and stuff, at least, and reported that a lot of the, the Players Association is really upset with how this is handled because, obviously, the players, you know, not all the players across the league were aware of this happening, but um, it was – sounds like it was made – aware to uh or made known rather to the nhlpa leadership and and nothing was really done about it so again it's like these it's it's the same fucking all talk you know and not not the action of having your players back but only when it comes to winning a championship or something like that and not when it comes to supporting them as a fucking human being it's just it's gross yeah Yeah. it it kind of For me, it, it, it's it, well, you, you guys touched upon it. I mean, I hadn't necessarily said it, but I 100% agree. Like, you know, the courage from Kyle Beach uh, to come forward with that into the public eye, it just kind of bolsters, you know, to me, I, didn't, I wouldn't think a sports league was like this, but you see, 
a lot with, um, you know, politics or government or whatever, you know, you need to step into the limelight in a way you need to bring it to the press. Sometimes change can come that way. And it just amazes me that with the national hockey league, that that requires the same, you know, you need to go, it something needs to become public for there to be any sort of change. Nothing within was changing even when so many people were made aware of it. Um, and, you know, Kyle's willingness to, to do that, to really put himself out there, especially <clears throat> in a hockey culture where we know it is definitely, uh, as Taylor Hall called it, that boys club, the old boys club, um, that can be especially challenging. Um, uh, and, and I think in the sports world in general, but definitely hockey as well. Um, it, it just, it, courage, just amazing courage and just, hats off to him for being able to do that. Cause you know, it's been over 10 years now. Um, and I can't imagine, you know, how it's been for those 10 years. Um, and you know, I, I'm just really glad it's coming to the public eye because I think that's how there's going to be changed. Cam wrote, um, you know, like a tweet slash Instagram post that we kind of put out there. Um, and I think if I recall correctly, Chris and I were just like, yeah, that was great. It kind of summed up our yeah. thoughts too. Um, so I, I don't want to ramble on too long, um, and kind of talk in circles, to, but yeah, to sum up like the NHL viewing this as a PR problem instead of a human problem is just the thing that needs to change. You know, that the NHL is not willing to address this until it becomes something that the whole media and, and public is aware of and is grilling them on. Um, that that's all the proof you need that they saw this as something that oh this is not good look for us we gotta we gotta fix this and try to cover it up or you know try to minimize it as much as possible so that it's not a stain on our league um, rather than dealing with it anytime in the past ten fucking years is uh, is the thing that needs to change chiefly here. Yeah, I mean it, it's the NHL just the most tone deaf league like being the the league that one day too late canceled games for the black lives matter protests uh let joel Quenneville coach one game after all this came out kevin shovel day off still has his job continuing to have a job um the guy they hired to replace joel Quenneville, i didn't like verify this but i saw a tweet that said he was on the 2010 blackhawks team um just wild tone deafness all around um and that's that's the stuff that you know we're not doing any heroics here but i think people need to talk about this stuff so that you know if you're reaching a couple of fans who maybe aren't fully up to date on all this because not everyone's always on twitter um and you know if you're getting your news from uh the the nhl like nhl shills you're not going to be hearing them say anything bad about how the nhl is handling this so i think as long as as long as you're putting the word out there about where you stand on things like this that's that's something um so i guess that's my encouragement to other people who maybe have a little bit of a platform hopefully Somebody listening has more of a platform than us. Yeah, uh, probably most people. The bar is low. Yeah, I know. I Cat wrote a really great article, kind of mm-hmm. owning a bad tweet that she had. Um, uh, I think she had mentioned that 
Joel Cornville had always been nice to her, but deserved to go and then kind of uh, reflected on that and wrote a, a great long article about how you got to be more intentional with the things you say and, and not erase people's experience based on things that you've seen. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that she did that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any last words on that other than uh, believe victims, support victims. Um, I can't possibly fathom how tough this has been on, on Kyle beach and, uh, there are other victims of Brad Aldrich who uh, who are out there still and uh, had to also go through this because of the inaction of uh, Chicago Blackhawks and and other people involved. So, um, yeah, it just sucks that that's what hockey culture was then, and it doesn't seem like it's changed much since then. Um, so, I hope this becomes a catalyst for for that at least in some way. Yep. All right. Hard pivot. Um, I'm going to do the I, thing that we normally do when we start episodes and we're going to introduce our, our beers or drinks or whatever we're drinking. Um, draft games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Drew. Fans, hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if you do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook without details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, chaotic Drew running out of the room for some reason and then coming back in to read the ad read with no headphones on and then it was a dramatic if, if, if i uh if i interrupted anything serious we can, i can just like you know we you, you didn't you interrupted you interrupted me trying to introduce the the beer drinking thing um <laughs> good good read drew uh i especially enjoyed the part where you burped and cam's eyes started watering yeah that was potent we'll say i had uh i had wings and i had chocolate mousse cake and beer so that was a mix of all of it okay i hear my dog whining and i'm gonna go uh deal with him so y'all uh introduce your beers and stuff start with you cam started off here uh i was walking through hannaford shout out hannaford great grocery store oh the best yeah big fan um and i saw i've been featuring a fair amount of peak organic brewing company lately um but i saw this one it's called sweet tarts it is a main blueberry sour ale. If you listen to the pod before, you know I am a salute for blueberries. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, blueberry sour ale. I have. I mean, I'm a big sour fan as well, but I haven't had many of them lately. So I, I was like, oh, I'm gonna switch it back up and drink a lot of IPAs that sort of thing, uh, amber beers lately. So I figured I'd switch it back into the fruit zone here. Uh, I was a little surprised by this one. It wasn't quite what I was expecting, but I am a fan. Um, I think this is like a beer that, like my girlfriend, for example, is a good like, example of this, is someone who's not a huge fan of sours, but this one's not overly sour sweet. It's just kind of got a tart and uh, kind of a light blueberry vibe to it. So um, maybe a good introduction to sour beers for people who are not traditional sour beers fan. Uh, drinkability, pretty pretty crispy on this. You could actually put up quite a few of them down, especially for a sour. I'm going to bump it up a couple extra points because it is really, really drinkable for a sour. Give it like a 32 uh, taste. Not Again, not overly powerful. Very kind of like a – almost like a ghost. It kind of reminds me of like one of those like saltier beers that you would drink sort of at the, at the beach or, you know, summertime kind of thing. Um, weird timing for it, I guess now as we get into November, but, um, yeah, taste, I'm going to, I'm going to give it like an 11. It's not super powerful, but it is like refreshing. Um, yeah, I, I just just leave you with like, if you're somebody who's interested in trying sours, but you don't like the, the real like edge of the spectrum there when it comes to sours that are really on that side, this is a good kind of transition or in between for you. Oh, I also I will say um, a lot of blueberry beers like this have that like bright purple blue color. This still has like a beer orange to it. It's just kind of got like a, a bluish tang to it, if that makes sense. It's like a dark, not quite amber, but it sort of looks like that from the, the blue of the blueberries mixed with like a traditionally hot beer. So good stuff. All right, Cam. Speaking of transitions, I have one of those salty goza types that you, you might go. drink at the beach we got a <laughs> in november modern times laser rain which is just a Ooh. fucking banger of a name yeah that's a, um, so oh, it depends on who you right ask there. don't ask spoke z yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh it is a tropical cucumber goza from modern times um yeah cat was out here um for halloween and she likes her some uh, sour tropical kind of beers and we picked up some of these and also i will drink anything with cucumber in it so this was a, a good a good compromise um <laughs> flavors of guava cucumber lime and sea salt and it's a uh, kind of a wheat beer um and let's give it a go oh i'm paying um, so this one's like extra sour um and it's not really it doesn't have like a big beer flavor to it um it gives you kind of the stats on here too um i don't know what srm is you have the korski um, and the fenski on there yeah or? the korski and the fenski but it says srm orange five so if you if you know your advanced beer stats that's that's for yeah. you um, it's got an Here's IBU, got an IBU of 15. Um, that's uh, international bitterness units. Um, <laughs> so that's that's very low. Um, and the and the bitterness isn't really coming from any hops or anything. It's really just coming from the aggressive lime flavor. Um, 
and then the final gravity is 1.010 and i'm not entirely sure like i know what that means but i don't know what the number specifically like correlates to like i don't know what the value would mean like i don't know what a 1.01 is versus like a 1.02 or like a 1.1 um but generally that means like the density compared to water i think thick boy well astronaut you're the only one who would possibly know so <laughs> yeah um, the final gravity also a, a very dramatic way of yeah. <laughs> beer um, literally defies gravity but yeah it's a it's a 5.6 percent. i think it's uh probably not as crushable as as maybe a normal beer of that percentage would be just because it is so sour so i'm gonna give it like tasteability i think like a 27 um it's it's pretty tasteable you got you got a lot of flavors and they're pretty forward drinkability you're gonna give it like a 15 essentially we kind of got opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to sour beers mine mine is like i guess that's kind of you described well that yours doesn't taste like a beer it tastes like a sour beer which is kind of a different neighborhood for sure so i don't think i finished that thought i think it tastes more like uh like a margarita maybe okay yeah this one this one tastes like a beer that has notes of blueberry and a little bit of a a tart to it whereas yours is a a full dive into that that end of the the pool so um i am drinking a corona extra but i'm not going to review it because cam and i went over to uh fuck batson river yeah. No, no, it wasn't Batson. Yeah, it was Batson. Yeah, Batson River Brewing Company um, here in Portland, Maine. Uh, we went there for awesome place. pre-pod drink. Oh, my God. Luxury fucking place. Like, it, I don't know. It, it just seemed way too, like, high class for a brewery. Like, picture your standard brewery. Uh, this was this was a step up from that. Like, it could be, like, a club or just a... <laughs> fancier restaurant based on the meal and the prices of the meals there like they had steak and haddock and like all that shit and they also had pizza and apps and everything but anyway beer i like there that i wanted to review was uh i think it was just called the guava ipa i think that's yeah it was like standard like that but basically it tasted like they just tossed some guava juice into an ipa and mixed it together and it was fucking beautiful um Literally just guava juice. If you've had guava juice, it was just like hoppier. Like that was it. It, it was dangerously tasteable. Uh, so I'm gonna go with a with a 32 on the tasteability for that one. Drinkability also dangerously drinkable. I mean, when I, I I've already said it a couple times in the past 20 seconds, but it really tasted like guava juice. I was very surprised. I thought there might be hints of it. But it was like as if they had mixed it in with that juice. So uh, drinkability also going to go 32. Uh, I highly re- recommend it and highly recommend their location in Portland. That was uh, definitely quite the experience. And su- uh, su- their bathrooms, man, it's it's four. <laughs> so it's four separate, like, you know, single bathrooms, um, wheelchairs accessible, all that. Um, and they were furnished to the max. Like they were furnished better than the room me and Cam are in right now, which is my office, uh, which has a desk and a TV and then like a bunch of my other shit. Um, they had like carpets in there. 
they had paintings on the walls. Like they had like bathroom? super what? cool like wallpaper. <laughs> no, there was just like an area rug that you stand on while you take okay, a leak. Right. Like it was, it was rugs, a very rugs and carpets beat. are notably different. Yeah. Also, um, both notably not great for bathrooms. Yeah, least, but you know what? It was good. It was it was a beautiful experience. I stood in there. I took a Snapchat story after I, I had relieved myself. I will put out pictures of the bathroom for those of you who are interested. I feel like a carpeted bathroom would uh, retain <laughs> yeah, very a very bad, really bad amount. I meant it had a small area rug, especially for a um, bathroom. Yeah, it's not gonna... yeah. So anyway, check out Bats and River Brewing Company. Check out the Guava IPA. Very good. Highly recommend. Thirty-two. Yeah. Thirty-two. Um, all right. So for brewing stuff. Uh, what they played like two games or something since we last recorded. Yeah, like, can we just what the fuck is this schedule? I like I don't want to be the schedule guy, but what the fuck is this schedule? They play like every other week. It's they're like a be football playing. schedule for the first month of the season, and they're playing like a baseball schedule for the last four months. They're gonna be playing double headers. Yeah, Drew's got a Drew's got a schedule magnet, and I was looking. I'm like, all right, so we got four days off between games this week, and then. Three days off next week, and then they have the bye week, like five <laughs> weeks into the season. And then we're gonna come back. We're gonna have uh, you know a fair amount of games, and then Olympic break, and then holy shit, it's like we're already in the playoffs because you're gonna do like, a round robin. It's like five <laughs> games every seven. Days. It's like pee wee hockey shit. Like I'm pretty sure you're gonna have to split squad like Pasta and Ice playing in the morning against the Canadians, and then fucking you know. Send Charlie Coyle up to Toronto for the afternoon game, and if you qualify for the championship on Sunday, then you better sleep because we're rolling fucking five defensemen. It's <laughs> ridiculous. I'm totally fine being the anti-schedule makers podcast. It yeah, no, real like, hard. I, 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 it's going to be our excuse you don't be the one that's like complaining to the refs, but like when Noel Chari gets fucking karate kicks in, you know, <laughs> in Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final, then you have to draw a line somewhere, and I'm drawing it here. Like I. If the people who I think I tweeted out a meme like a week or two ago, that like the dudes who made the schedule is like the Canadians diehards fans, like ah, you know. <laughs> but it's it, the, it really seems like it's I, rigged against the I mean, it's so bad. This is the schedule maker and widowmaker podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is you know what they had been sipping when they uh made the schedule for the Bruins. It really makes zero sense. Just that yeah. schedule in March is fucking brutal. I'm so there's definitely going to be some injuries that go down and uh, hamper the Bruins. I feel like, and then we can blame it on that if they don't well, that's, do this. That's, 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 that's what I was going to say. It's right now our excuse can be the Bruins just can't find a rhythm because they're only playing once every seven weeks, and then like later in the season when they're playing, you know, four games in the weekend. Uh, we can just say like, yeah, I mean, like, look at all these other teams playing once every two days and the Bruins just played a double header against the Canadians and the Senators and they had to travel between games. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Old Mark and Swayman both had back-to-backs the same weekend. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, the pro athletes, they get paid to play sports several times a week, but like, oh my God, this is going to be, especially that late in the season, it's already such a grind and Especially when you consider the last couple of years have been shortened seasons. So even the vets like Patrice Bergeron and stuff that have been in the league for so long have been playing reduced schedules and bumping it back up to 82. And then just with the <laughs> Olympic break added and the bye week, which is semi new over the last couple of years, and then still piling on late in the schedule is going to be just uh, 
Oh, man. I mean, you're right. It really does seem like kind of like a football schedule. So hopefully the Bruins are in a first-round bye. Um, and, you know, they you, you get that extra week of rest while the other teams duke it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, I mean, well, we don't really have to go over the two, three-goal losses because those were bad. And uh, I don't think we want to dwell on those. But we can talk about the, uh, you know, the retribution the Bruins got against the Panthers at home. Um, yeah, I think playing a pretty solid game and, uh, you know, taking that to, to OT and then f- doing the thing that they never do and winning in the shootout. Um, I, I think overall a pretty, pretty good effort from the boys. And I thought, I thought Omar, despite having some rebound control issues, kind of, you know, looked pretty good. Yeah, I think he looked good for the most part. I think uh, <clears throat> it's kind of something we talked about a little bit last week and I would be interested more having you know, talking to Kat about this, if she were to like watch his performance, I don't know if she watched that game, but she watched um, a little bit of it. He definitely seemed like later in the game when things were getting a little close and kind of coming down to the wire, he seemed like he was losing position a little bit. And there were a couple, I remember one save, he was coming right to left and it was like, I don't know if it was a one time or a quick shot, but he kind of did like the jump on skates over across the crease and kind of shouldered it away. And it was like a cool looking save, but I was like, Oh, I was 80% sure that was going into the net. Cause he was, it was like a weird desperation save. And I'm not going to rag on the guy for like one thing like that. And again, it's, it's almost unfair when you're comparing the two to Rask. We've talked about it for the last two years about how good Rask was at just making every save look easy. because His positioning was always so strong, but that was something that I was a little bit, you know, I I don't want to overread into this, but a guy who's been playing the Buffalo the last few years probably hasn't had too, too many high-pressure situations late in games, and obviously this is early in the season, if not the playoffs, something like that. But And it could just be rust again from the, the fucking football schedule that we were just talking about. But um, I feel like he was getting a little bit over-aggressive or just a little – a little crazy in, in the crease a little bit. And so I would like to see that settle down, but I think overall he did a pretty good game. And uh, yeah, nice. Like Chris mentioned, the Bruins and notoriously great shootout team uh, was nice to see them get a win. Charlie fucking coil, there. baby. Yeah. Charlie that was a disgusting coil. move. That was a yeah, really was. nice head fake turn back. I like watched it work and then I tried to like do it in my head and I was struggling to do it in my head. It was so a little, little Pavel Datsuk ish. Yeah. It was Some, good something, something he used to do. Mm-hmm. Good to see him getting on the board in regulation again, too. I mean, uh, I said, I I out, said but Pavel Tatsuk, uh, not Vladimir Putin. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Drew just, Drew just there you go. All right, cool. That's that's Isha. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, you know, it was Halloween, and so you know, I was, I was going out and uh, didn't get to see all of the uh the win of course but saw the two losses of fucking course um but i i saw the first uh period and a half two periods or whatever um and charlie coyle's goal you know to open it up definitely uh a little bit of luck involved there um kind of wheeled it out you know from below the goal line and I, that that's the kind of stuff you need when you're struggling i mean not that coyle himself has necessarily been struggling but you know the team as a whole uh, having trouble putting goals on the board the, those past two games where they lost by three goals in each one. Um, that That's the kind of stuff that can kind of get you going. Um, 
kind of stuff that when you when your confidence is low, it's like ah, you know, the hockey gods are are looking out for me a little bit here. Um, and, and you know, obviously lucky, but sometimes you need that luck to get going again. Uh, Bruins certainly did in that game. Um, I I didn't see the shootout. I should probably watch it. Uh, but they it won it, so you know, I'd be happy about watching it. Usually, I'm I'm very uh, whenever I see shootout, I always expect it to be an L after that for the Bruins. Yeah. But it was a W, and I was surprised uh, when I saw that score come through. But yeah, hopefully, you know, we, we talked about the schedule. Hopefully, the Bruins can get cooking. Um, you know, next game's Wednesday, so we actually have a timely podcast, which I felt was rare last season when everything was shortened and there was a game almost every other night. Uh, we rarely ever had a podcast that was timely, but suppose this one will be but you know no one else will will get it out there <laughs> yeah um i guess one last thing on on olmark is i think he did look really good in the in the shootout um pretty steady um not to not to say that your point was wrong cam because i think he did show in that that sharks game that he's pretty willing to give up some late goals to make things look interesting um but i, I did think a pretty good redemption and in a time where it means the most to make yeah. those big saves. And when you're um, most like kind of cards stacked against you as a goaltender with no defender. I mean, which goaltender in Bruins history has won the big games most? I mean, uh, Jeremy you know. Swayman actually famously <laughs> loves the shootout. So we're going to go with Jeremy Swayman. <laughs> no, no, not Jeremy Swayman. Uh, one thing I, I will say, call it, inability to finish call it bad luck and you know an omen for good things ahead but i saw jay fresh hockey tweeted out uh, i think sunday now at this point um that the bruins are actually leading the league and expected goals four percentage by a pretty hefty margin colorado is second at about 56 percent the bruins are take over 58 percent um so i don't know some people were like well the bruins can't finish which you know it's dumb i think uh and Obviously, not the biggest sample size here, so we'll see how that adjusts. You still have Buffalo in the top 16 right now, so I'm sure this isn't the most reliable rating for how good teams will be, but I think an encouraging sign maybe for a team that's been struggling to score to see them. uh, Some some fancy stats pointing toward a chance that that might change is is encouraging. Yeah, I'd be interested to look into what, um, you know, what effect each – uh, offense or a forward line and defensive pairing kind of has on that because um, I also saw that the expected goals percentage for the top line and for the top pairing were just absurdly high. Yeah. And I, I, didn't, I didn't look into what, you know, second, third lines and second, third pairings or whatever. I'm not sure how it's weighted. In that yeah. Sort of so yeah. Um, it, it could but either way, like it's always good. <laughs> like that's, that's a good thing. Um, yeah. And uh, kind of something to lean on when your team isn't necessarily putting the results uh, in the standings that you would like to see. Yeah, uh, and I also I don't want to be like the one that's acting like the Bruins are fucking sinking shit. They have a winning record right now, and they've yeah. played the last five games against undefeated teams. So definitely not a, especially when you consider again how uh, how much space has been between their games as far as time goes. It's certainly hasn't been an awful part or start of the season rather especially with all the, the new faces around and stuff you expect a little bit of rust and um coming out of the first whatever seven eight games with a winning record is a good start at least 
You know, I think uh, you know everyone's coming out to get the Bruins. You know, all those schedule makers and the and the widow makers, and you know they're really you know no one wants Boston to win a championship this year. You know, you got the Red Sox going out to those Astros, Cheetahs. You got uh, you know the Pats. You know, uh, they're getting ripped off for something. I, I haven't watched the Pats. All right, very fun, Drew. Celtics. Um, so <laughs> as at, at current, the Atlantic standings are. Uh, Panthers have 17 points, haven't lost in regulation yet. Uh, and then down below, the Lightning and Sabres are tied for second um, at 11 points, although uh, Sabres have a game in hand. Um, so, you know, if the playoffs were to start today. <laughs> uh, but then the, up next kind of, games in, but... kind of another <laughs> kind of another surprise that uh maybe not a surprise to us the, the sabers are the big surprise but they do this every year they always have like a weird run where they win too many games and then they're by the end of the season they're the worst team in the league um but the a team that we kind of talked up during our season preview the red wings is the bruins uh they're the bruins next opponent and they're sitting there ahead of the Bruins and Maple Leafs in the current standings, even though the Bruins have 12 games in hand. Um, <laughs> the Red Wings are 4-3-2 and two with 10 points. Um, I think still not a great team, but a better team than we saw last year. Um, and a team that gave the Bruins problems a couple years ago when they were uh, still extra bad. So... Um, you know, this is this is one of those ones where uh, the Red Wings have played a bunch of games. Bruins haven't. They're should be well rested. Uh, you know, they're they're going to play on Thursday. And I don't know what are you looking for for from the Bruins uh, in that game on Thursday. Not necessarily predictions, but well, I will just say that in our crossover episode with uh, Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference podcast. Uh, I did have the Red Wings as my dark horse to make the playoffs. Um, and, you know, I said it. So, obviously, Red Wings heard it and were like, hey, we're going to play super good this year. Yeah, um, let the record show that I uh, that I planted my flag on the Red Wings before Drew did. And, and then he uh, – That's not true. Had to one Was it there. actually? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> see, I don't I did, listen I didn't to see... you while we podcast. <laughs> I, I, I didn't the say they were going to make the – Drew was actually on the moon. You know, yeah, I, I didn't say they were going to make the playoffs or anything, but I said they could contend for a playoff spot. Oh, so were, yeah, yeah. Chris and we're going to surprise some people. Surprise some people, and then you kind of won up. Chris was in the Earth's orbit, and I was on the moon, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I uh, – <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, like you, <laughs> like you did say, Chris, they have proved to be somewhat of a challenge for the Bruins in the past, even when they've fucking sucked. Um, I believe the Bruins lost to them three times two years ago. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, they lost three of four. Uh, The fourth probably went to a shootout and they lost that too. (laughs) So they're actually 0-3 and 1 against them. Um, Yeah, I mean, who knows what Bruins team will see. Um, Hopefully they can build off of that win against Florida, who are like kind of undefeated, but they were defeated in the shootout. So like, are they? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, we'll see. But I really do think Detroit is, I, I mean, I don't expect them to top the division or anything by the end of all this, but you know, they are a formidable opponents. So we'll see. We'll see what the Bruins can do. It's a young team. It's a fast team. Um, yeah. But prediction, you know, you said not necessarily predictions, but I'm going to predict 
Bruins win 5-3 with an empty netter. That empty netter is scored by Carson Kuhlman because he's definitely getting that last minute and a half of minutes because, you know, he's the he's the game changer. All this was said sarcastically, but, yeah, sure, I'll go with it. 5-3 <laughs> empty netter by Kuhlman. I feel like Cassie does kind of do that sometimes, like, fourth line to kind of kill some time toward the end of games, try to just, you know, not generate offense. With a one-goal lead. Now, it happens. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Hockey is beautiful and dumb for largely the same reason. It's a coin flip a lot of the time. And um, you don't want to use that as an excuse to lose to bad teams like the Bruins has sometimes in the past. But um, it does happen. That being said, especially with, uh, you know, a, a decent start to the season, but nothing to write home about, you'd like to see this be a, a game where the Bruins play pretty well and maybe win by a couple goals. I think a, like a 4 2 win would be really nice. Get some offense strong defensive performance. I think that's a big thing. You don't want to let a team like the Red Wings hang around with you. Um, the Bruins are a more talented team. They should be capable of generating more offense. You can't give up any easy goals to them that are going to make that a challenge. So I think you want to look for a, a strong defensive performance first, uh, and then hopefully, you know, get your top line going, a little bit of depth scoring. I think a, a four to two win, and I'd be pretty happy. Any win I'll be happy with, obviously. Hockey's, hockey's weird, Chris, but – um, I would be particularly encouraged if you come out and, and cover, which I assume would be Bruins by one, one and a half. Yeah, I think the Red Wings are gonna uh, they're gonna come out with no goaltender. They're gonna start with uh, six skaters, and the Bruins are gonna respond by uh, by pulling their goalie as well because it's just the the nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final score is going to be sixteen to fourteen. Um, I think you know pretty good. Def- this pretty, pretty pretty good defensive performance, but uh, you know keeping pucks out of the net, but still, uh, you know Bruins have a little bit of trouble with with Dylan Larkin because he's a he's a little bit of a speedster. But I think they they still managed to you know their sharpshooters from from center ice managed to to pick some corners and and sixteen fourteen ends up being the winning score for the Bruins. See, see, I know this doesn't matter, but I've been playing in NHL 22 and I have a franchise mode with the Bruins and I picked up Dylan Larkin in my first season to replace David Krejci as the second line center. Uh, and I had to re-sign Patrice Bergeron to a one-year $7 million deal. Um, and then I just signed Larkin to like four years, uh, like nine mil or something. He's my first line center next year. So hopefully Bergeron retires so I don't have to watch him slip away to free agency. But anyway... Dylan Larkin, I've loved that guy for for a while. I think he's a great fucking player. Um, yeah, uh, I'm happy to I'm happy to have him on my team, not the actual Bruins, but my my Bruins. Um, yeah, no, I mean he's obviously the leader of that team. He's so dangerous. Um, wish wish for him he was on a cup contender. But hey, Detroit, how young they are, the potential there. A couple of years, you certainly see that. Yeah, I believe he's American too. So. Maybe yeah. an Olympic team contender. Um, I'm an American I'd man. I'd be surprised if he was I know not it's on, bad. on that team. With a, I would expect him to have a meaningful role, to be honest with you. But. Yeah, uh, I think he's, you know, he's a pretty talented player. Um, one of the fastest skaters in the league. Yeah. Um, and a great nose. Dude has a great, great nose. nose. He's from the uh, Waterford Township in Missouri. That's very strange. Not a lot of. I don't know where he found ice. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume not a lot of 
Oh no, it's Michigan. M I is Michigan, right? Yeah. What? I don't know why I Missouri. M O is Missouri. Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. He is a, a sense, yeah. he is a little yeah. bit of a hometowner. Damn, that's sick. All right, let's steal him. Did he go to college in Michigan? I was gonna say I, I feel like he did. Um, let's see. Know. He's always oh, twenty five years old. He's my age. What? What? I feel like he was Michigan. You mean? Um, yeah, you Michigan. Yeah, I was just yeah. Michigan Wolverines. I remember in him in high school. I remember him and Tory Krug having a thing, maybe like because he would have been. I think he would have been a freshman or a sophomore when Tory Krug was a senior. Well, dude, that's kind of like me and Connor Clifton, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Was like, sophomore, but, so, yeah. You know. but I did more for people who may not know listening. But yeah. Um, I have a feeling we're coming to the Friday. end of our our first episode here. Is that yeah? Well, I, I'm Cam, this it. is far from our first episode. We've been well, recording you know, many of the week. <laughs> the Tuesday one. Uh, hey, if you're listening to this on Tuesday by chance, it is election day. Go vote. Go yeah. perform your civic duty. Mm-hmm. Make our country a better place. God vote <laughs> in your local elections. They matter. Um, they have an impact. Uh, it's not just the national, uh, federal. Probably more of an elections. impact than, than the big one that everyone makes a big deal about. Seriously. Days, so. Yeah. So... Do it. Vote. Check out Seventh Avenue vote. Pizza. Uh, whoever that is sponsoring the soda pod. And Bassin. Yeah, and you know the Bruins. The Bruins and Bruins podcast we, is also sponsored do. by. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Definitely not. not. <laughs>